He was born in a small village near the Indian Ocean in India. Today, he's an ophthalmologist bringing the gift of sight to thousands of people around the world. He is Dr. Jacob Prabhaka Chindrupu. I'm John Bradshaw, and this is our conversation. Dr. Jacob, thank you so much for being here. You have no idea how much I appreciate this. I'm excited to be here, Pastor John. It's been a privilege to be here working with you for so many years. I've known you for many years. Yes. Finally, we get to sit down together and Thank talk God. about the Eyes for India story and your story in this <laughs> setting. Today, you are the medical director of three hospitals in India, including Ruby Nelson Memorial Hospital in Jalandhar in Punjab state. You are the ophthalmologist who leads Eyes for India, and you have a wonderful story there. But let's go back to the beginning. Where are you from and how did you get to where you are today? So you were born and raised where? I am uh, born and raised in a small Adventist uh, family on the coastal uh, Indian, um, uh, South Indian state in Andhra mm -hmm. Pradesh, where I grew up in a, uh, in a family of eight siblings. Yes. And five elder sisters, two younger sisters. Uh -huh. and. That's, uh, that's how I began my life. When you came into the world, was there any thought that you would one day be a physician? I come from a very poor family, so uh, there's absolutely no um, chance that I would be ever be an ophthalmologist and never a physician. So no way? No way, no, no. way. But okay. somehow I had in my uh, heart, my heart's desire was always from my school days, I wanted to be a physician. Yeah. I had no idea how it would happen, but with God, all things are possible. So what was life like for your family back in those days when you came into the world? You mentioned uh, a poor family, yes, but yeah. explain the reality yeah. of that. My father was a farmer, so uh, it was utter poverty one day at a time. Now, when you say yeah. farmer, somebody's yeah. going to think he had, yeah. he had 250 yeah. no, acres in milk cows. <laughs> what, what, uh, no, what they was just that? Uh, on a, their daily wages. So they go into a farm and work there and get their wages on a daily basis and, and feed the family. That's, that's how it is. Okay. So we wait for our father to come get his uh, wages for that day so we have the food for that evening. So that's how it used to be. So you were living hand to mouth. You're right. And right. what was f what was food for that evening likely to be? It's it's a simple meal, rice and lentils. That's how it's be. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yes, yes. So you went to school in your village for for a while. Yes, when I was just about to to be joined in a in a school at uh, at my village my Adventist church pastor saw some potential in this little lad. So uh, he picked me up and took me to a, an Adventist boarding school. And so there I was in this boarding school and I began my schooling there. Now, as I recall, having spoken about this before, your parents weren't thrilled with the idea of letting you go off to a, this was to a boarding school. Right, right. Now they were gonna farewell their, right. their little boy, their only boy. Right, right. One boy, seven sisters in the right, family. Right, right. So, so it was with a bit of a struggle that they let you go. It, is, it was a struggle for my parents to let me go because they wouldn't want a boy to be, you know, leaving home and only one child and only one boy child in the family. So they wouldn't want me to go yeah. into boarding school where I would take uh, holidays only once in a year. How so were they able to afford boarding school? In fact, uh, my parents could not have any, 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 any any of the fees there. So I was just basically left in the school and the school took care of me and provided me. So you were sponsored? Yes, I was Ooh, sponsored by the school. The power of Christian education. Yes, yes, yes. Now, 
today you're an ophthalmologist. We'll talk about how you got to that. But yes, yes. if you had not gone to that Christian school, if somebody had not sponsored your education, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what would you be doing today? Uh, I think uh, I've seen many of my um, uh, age group in my village. They're working in the fields, caring for the, you know, working in the, on a daily basis. So that's how I would, I would have been. I would have been w nothing. What working in fields? Yes. Explain what they're doing. Yeah, they would, it'll be a daily wage uh, yeah. people who will go into the fields, work and get their wages. But, but what, what work are they doing? They would just like to, what my father was doing, he was going to the fields, you know, plant, transplanting, harvesting and uh, rice plantations and all those. That's how they so would So working work, in yeah. rice plantations. Right, yes, yes. Maybe with coconuts or something. Right, right, right. Yes, and that's... Yeah. So, so the reality is, if a pastor had not seen some potential in you, if your parents hadn't let you go, mm -hmm. if somebody hadn't provided the money to right, cover the cost right, of your education, right. yes, yes. today you'd ah. be working in a field, right, pastor, transplanting rice, right, right. Yeah. That's which is not at all dishonorable. I don't yes, mean to indicate yes, that no, it is, but. No. But a world of opportunity opened Great up. Great opportunities, yes. God has given me an opportunity to serve the people across the world. So I, I could have never thought about this as a child. Yeah. But for the Adventist education. What do you remember about your childhood being away from your family, being in this boarding school situation? Yes. What do you remember? I would always feel homesick. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to get back home always. But the, the desire to study has always been there to be in the school. Someday, one day, God will give me an opportunity to serve people. So. How far from home was the school? That, those days, when there was no proper transportation, it was a day's journey by bus. And how far today? Uh, like it, in it kilometers? It was about 75 uh, kilometers. Oh, so we're yeah. talking about 45 yeah. miles. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. That, so it, yeah. it you're a long way from home, really, yes. particularly without wonderful roads and modern right, transportation. Right, right, right. Well, okay, so elementary school mm -hmm. or primary school, and then, and then it was a natural transition to high school, or was that right? It was in the same school we had okay. up till tenth standard. It was high school. Okay. Yes. So yes. you were going to go all the way through to the tenth grade. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. What happened? Now, were you a, were you a good student, high achieving student? Yes, uh, I always uh, did uh, very well in the school. I was topper in the in my class and the school. So I was had two promo double promotions yes. from LKG to first standard, first standard to third standard. Oh. Right. So, so you were you were uh, an achiever. You. <laughs> you were uh, jumping grades. Right. I right, see, I yeah. see, I see. Yeah. So you get to the end of what you call 10th standard. Right, right. And we'd probably call that 10th grade, would we? Yeah, 10th grade, yes. Yep. yes okay. Yeah. And then what? University beckons. Right, w yeah. Were, we, were you going to be able to go to university? Yeah, to, my desire was always to be a physician. So I had to do um, my 12th grade, 11th and 12th grade. And to earn uh, my scholarship, I had to do my... Um, uh, you know, coal pottering every summer. Oh, so, so I had gone for seven summers. Uh, every summer I would go for coal pottering, earn my scholarship for my schooling as well. Okay, high school as well so as we've school. talked about this being sponsored, yes. but at the same time you were yeah. earning much of your tuition by selling books. Right. right. Did you enjoy that experience? Oh, yes, it was a great experience. You did? Yes. Yeah. It taught me uh, lots of uh, uh, lessons to be able to be independent and do things of my own. Now you were selling life. Christian books? Yes. I was, I was. In a Hindu country? Right, right. Were you in a Hindu environment? Yes, I was going to Hindu schools and uh, um, Catholic schools and uh, selling um, Bible story um, sets and uh, many other health books and Christian literature. What was the response? Oh, the response like was then? great. Really? Was great. To a, yes. To a Christian selling books to Hindus. Right. Christian yeah. books. Yeah, they they would love it. They 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 would ask for more books. That's very interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
before we're done, we need to talk about what the environment is like in India. You live in India today. Right. Um, we'll, we'll get to that, I'm certain. So now, you've, you've done the 11th and 12th grade. Right, yes. And you're going to go to university? Yeah, it was time for me to go to a medical school. That was my desire. But how would I go? Oh, there were every obstacle on my way. And so I was praying, God, it's time for me to go to medical school. How would I reach there? And uh, when I was at the verge of finishing my grade 12, I had uh, uh, seen one advertisement in one of these tidings, this, uh, the paper that is published by Southern Asia Division of the Adventist Church. And it was announced, the trilateral agreement between Southern Asia Division of Seventh Adventist, Loma Linda University, and Kasturba Medical College, which I was going to go to. This is something I, I could never even dream of. All those who are eligible Adventist uh, students could appear, apply for the entrance examination and qualify for this uh, uh, eligible seat. Oh, how many seats were they offering? There were five seats. Five? Okay. How many students do you think were going to apply? At least about 50 of them applied for oh, this. Oh, is that yes. so? Yeah. All right. Yeah. You must have been as nervous as anything. It was, it yeah. was, yes. And I was praying for this. God, give me, maybe it was my desire that's going to be answered. And actually, God has already made a provision for me. And you were accepted into medical school? Yes. I Tell me where that school was. It is in, uh, uh, in, uh, in Karnataka, um, South Karnataka, where it's known as Kasturba Medical College, Manipal. It's the most expensive medical school. It's a private medical institution. Oh, well. In India, yeah. in those days, a person like me could never, ever enter into the medical school. So this was absolutely God providing for God's you. God's providence. Now yes. back to where, give me some context. It's near what big city? It is uh, near Mangalore. Okay. About eight hours journey from Bangalore. Okay, okay, yes, okay. Yes. So you went to medical school. Right. right. And uh, medical school was four years? Four and a half years plus one year of internship. Yeah. Now, d different system to the United States right. where first you do four years of undergrad yes. and then go to medical no. school. In, the, in India, it's just uh, you finish your grade 12 and they're eligible to, to be able to join your medical, medical school. Medical school, yes. yeah, okay, sure. And medical school was difficult, <laughs> came easy. How was that? Yes, it was. It's a tough, uh, uh, tough uh, studying medical medi medicine and it was God's providence that helped me to go through this yes. difficult challenge of uh, I was sponsored, but we had to pay certain fees for being able to be there. But God okay. made provisions for me to be able to complete the medical school, you know, the richest medical school in India yeah. by a poor boy like me. So there was there were still expenses involved. Right, right. And your right. family is still poor. Right, Okay, right, but yeah. somehow... Yeah, somehow God helped me through God sponsorship. Helped has helped me to be able to finish my... Fantastic. Yes. yes. It's very interesting, isn't yeah. it, that today your life is dedicated to helping people who... Right. Right. Almost, almost always cannot help themselves, right. and yet as a child, or should I say at the same time as a child, people helped you. Yes, in fact, uh, um, the church helped me to get the medical seat. There was something called World Vision of India. I do not know if you heard about it. They pitched a little bit of the fees that's required for my books and my, uh, my, my daily living and my uh, food, so I was able to completely finish my school without any issues. Today you do an awful lot of giving back. Right, right. You you provide surgery for thousands, literally mm. thousands of people every year who couldn't possibly afford it. How much of your upbringing in early life plays into your very philanthropic 
very charitable professional life today? As a child, I knew, and as my parents, we knew we could not afford nothing. And uh, the need in the villages is so great. And I knew what poverty is all about. And after having reached a position where I can earn a lot of money, but I thought, I want to give it back to my people. It's so much uh, nicer to give. And so I felt that it's, it's an opportunity to give away what God has given me. Mm. And so I go back to the villages, most impoverished people in India, uh, where there's absolutely no help. People are the poorest of the poor communities and Hindu communities and of people of all faiths. And so I try to give back what God has given me. When did you decide, or how did you decide, that you wanted to be an ophthalmologist? It's an interesting question, Pastor. Um, actually, I wanted to be a general surgeon. I went to the admissions officer and asked, sir, would you like to, uh, can you give me um, general surgery posting because I, it is my desire to be a general surgeon. You know, but he looked it into my eyes and said, why don't you do ophthalmology? And it's free. I it's didn't have to pay nothing. Free? It's free. Why, why would that, now general surgery would not have been free? No. So why no. was ophthalmology? So there was a, an organization called Operation Eyesight Universal, which was uh, offering um, ophthalmology seats for eligible students and that was offered to me and that's not what I wanted and so I requested sir please give me time I need to pray whether it's God's will that I should do ophthalmology because my desire is to do general surgery and so that night I went back and asked God please direct me and God impressed me go and grab that seat the next day morning, I went to the admissions officer and said, Sir, please, I'd like to take up ophthalmology. At that time, I never, never realized the impact I was going to make in the future if I take up ophthalmology. But God led me to take up this position, and I'm here today as an ophthalmologist. Yeah, how wonderful. His ways are higher than our ways. How, how did you enjoy ophthalmology school? Oh, it's great. Uh, yes. Um, I was, I was liking it. Yes. Yes, I was able to change, uh, uh, you know, learn this uh, procedure of operations of cataract surgery and it's helping so many people. And so I was gaining the interest of doing surgeries and God helped me to learn this. When you came out of school, where did, where did you land as a, as a newly minted doctor? Where did you begin? When I first finished my uh, undergraduation, I was posted in, a, in, a, in a, an Adventist hospital in South India called Ottapalam. Edwin's Hospital, and uh, I finished two years of my posting as a general physician. So that's when I learned the art of surgery, and I wanted to be a general surgeon. Uh, so that's how I, I, I began my desire to be a general surgeon. But uh, after finishing my posting um, of my post-graduation, again I was posted in Northern India, where I am currently serving. This is how I, I moved to the North India, mm -hmm. where um, the need is so great for ophthalmology. Now, that's what I wanted to ask you. The need in India is huge. Of course, there's a massive population, but there's a very, very large blind population. Why is that? India has, uh, you know, there's 1.4 billion people. The population itself is huge. 
and the backlog of cataract or the backlog of blindness is huge. There's more than 15 million blind people in India. Nearly um, uh, one third of the world's backlog of blindness. Mm. And uh, the reason being could be malnutrition or, or vitamin deficiency, diabetes, glaucoma, trachoma, and many other factors contribute this huge blindness that is actually um, causing so much uh, financial loss to the to the nation mm. so there's a there's a there's a huge need yes today you know we we collaborate with a an it is written sponsor project called eyes for india in which you provide cataract surgery you use a very interesting technique i've timed you myself one minute and about 35 seconds to perform a cataract surgical procedure. Now that's with the patient fully prepped mm -hmm. in front of mm -hmm. you yes. and, and so forth. But the, the mechanics of that procedure. We'll speak more about it in a moment, but let's begin talking about this technique that enables you to work with wonderful precision and efficiency. Um, how in the world did you find this technique and then I know that when you did find it, you refined it. Right, right. So let's talk about how, how yes. that came to be because you work with incredible speed, incredible right. precision. Uh, actually, when I began my um, surgical uh, experience, uh, I used to take one surgery nearly 40 minutes, 45 minutes. At that time, the numbers waiting outside, 200 patients waiting outside. And how is it possible to reach to these huge numbers taking such a long time? There was no means even to help more patients. If, uh, if there were means, there would be more patients waiting outside. And so at that time, God, I was praying, God, please give me two things. Give me the skill and give me the means to help these hundreds and thousands of patients waiting outside. We go to Hindu temples and across the nation and there are so many people waiting and so I want to say God has given me both of them and I'll tell you in a minute how he has given me the means but the skill I learned this technique from a, a German surgeon called Dr. Albert Hennig he taught me this surgery and it would take about five to seven minutes but even then that was a, a big time for me you I felt to, like that was too long too long I had to I had to master this technique from 40 minutes to 30 minutes to 20 to 10 to 5 minutes but still I need much um, much uh, uh, quicker procedure so you're doing a cataract surgery in five minutes yes and you're saying still not fast it's enough. not enough so how in the world and so God told me and inspired me to reduce the instrumentation reduce the consumables and so and so reduce the manipulation so the time has been reduced now to one minute cataract surgery about 40 surgeries a number around three to four hundred surgeries a day I understand the most you've done in a day is 460. 65, yes. 465. 465. <laughs> yes. Now, someone <laughs> is hearing that and they're panic-stricken. They're saying, the last thing I want is a physician working that fast doing my cataract surgery. We're going to talk in a moment about how it works out perfectly. It's efficient and not deficient. Thanks for being part of this. Uh, I'm, my guest today is Dr. Jacob Prabhaki. He's our Eyes for India physician. The, medical director of three hospitals in India and a wonderful human being. 
Uh, we'll be back with more of our conversation in a moment, brought to you by It Is Written. One thing that the COVID-19 pandemic has taught us is the importance of maintaining our health. Yes, it's true that some health problems cannot be avoided. Some medical conditions are genetic. Some seem to come out of nowhere. But the vast majority of health issues affecting our world today are lifestyle related. That means there's something we can do about them. But what? Join me for five steps to safeguard your health. You'll learn about five simple but important steps that you can take to ensure that you're doing all you can to protect and maintain your health. The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Our bodies are a gift from God and we wanna take care of them so we can give ourselves the best chance to live long, happy, productive lives serving God. Don't miss five steps to safeguard your health. Brought to you by It Is Written TV. Welcome back to Conversations, brought to you by It Is Written. My very special guest is a dear friend, Dr. Jacob Prabhaka Chindrupu, the physician who leads It Is Written's Eyes for India initiative, but at the same time is a medical director of three hospitals in India, a very busy man, a busy ophthalmologist. You have many strings to your bow. <laughs> but a second ago, somebody panicked because they heard us saying that you're able to do a cataract surgical procedure in a minute and someone is convinced it can't possibly be done that quickly. If it's that fast, it must be maybe dangerous or a deficient sort of a surgical procedure. Explain. This is a, uh, a modified technique called small incision, sutureless cataract surgery that finishes in less than one, one and a half minutes. The reason being, we have simplified this to make it uh, very efficient so that we're able to do more numbers to cater to large numbers of people, but with great precision and high quality procedure with the uh, highest uh, protocols uh, in order so that there is absolutely zero complications, even with the highest number of surgeries that we are performing. We have simplified it. The procedure is simple, it's quick, because we have reduced the instrumentation, reduced the, um, the materials that are used, and uh, reduce the time taken for the procedure. And also, this huge equipment, the high-end equipment that costs a lot of money is not there. You don't need it? No, we don't need it. Because when, when grandma got her cataracts done down here at General Hospital, um, there were machines, expensive machines no, and equipment. No, no, So why don't you need them? In fact, the results are comparable to the, to the surgery that's performed, which is known as phacomalsification, it's almost the results are equivalent to, or sometimes in better situations because of the kind of cataract surgery we encounter in the rural settings are very large cataracts, yes. brown, black, and mature hard cataracts. The machines actually find it very difficult to, to crack, break this nucleus and bring them out as a result by doing so, it may cause some side effects or complications to the tissues of the eye. Therefore, this simple one-minute uh, cataract surgery can be done very easily without very expensive machines at the lowest cost possible with great results. The very next day, the eyes are clean and clear and the patients can see. And so what more is required 
Yes. In a poor setting where absolutely these machines cannot reach there yes. and patients cannot come to this high-end setting. So this is a simple procedure, cost-effective, great results. That's the procedure that we are doing. When you tell a physician, an ophthalmologist, who's never heard of this, that it's possible to do this kind of s procedure very successfully, mm -hmm. very efficiently, mm -hmm. what kind of response do you get? They would not believe it. Many of the institutions across India, teaching institutions feel it is impossible. But it's, it is, you got to build, you got to see to believe this. Yes. It is very efficient and it yes. works so well in my practice for hundreds, for we have done hundreds and thousands of surgeries with yes. absolutely no complications whatsoever in the last uh, more than 20 years. Yeah. And well, it certainly it's stood the test of time. I mean, you've got yeah. this massive right. body of work that right. demonstrates yes. that yeah. the, the cataract procedures right. Right. absolutely work yes. and the results yes. stay. Yes. Now, yes. what's interesting too, you mentioned the hypermature cataracts. Right. Now, I've met many people in the Western world with cataracts and I'd never know. Right. right. But in India, I've seen yes. people, you can notice across the room that they have cataracts. Right. right. And I've, I've, I've watched you remove a lens right. from an eye, the right. lens which, you know, it's about the size of my little fingernail. Yes. About the color of a nicotine stain. Right, right. Dark brown lens. Right. So of course that person's blind. Absolutely blind. What, what happens to cause that kind of cataract? So these other kind of cataracts, if you don't remove, these can cause complications like phacomorphic glaucoma uh, because the lens is swollen. It's more than four to five millimeters. And so um, if the lens is not removed, the patient can have irreversible blindness. In fact, could be painful blindness. Sure. So therefore, uh, such cataracts need to be removed in order, and the patient can see. Mm. You do thousands in a year. Right, we do about uh, nine to 10,000 surgeries a year. Yeah. You've done this in a mission setting, right. many, many, many times, professional right. setting. Right. You could content yourself to work in a professional setting, but you give of yourself and your time and your team, mm -hmm. you have an excellent team, right, by right, the way. And right. I'm convinced that the right. team that you have com com composed um, is a large part of the reason for your success. Right, right, right. Um, but you go into mission settings. I, I've been there with you and, right. and, and seen some of this. Um, but what's that like? What are some of the places that you go and take this gift of sight. Mm -hmm. Name some of the places, because some of them are a little bit unlikely. You go right. to... Yeah, so uh, let me also mention that my I have a great team, very efficient team, and we travel across into the most rural places. We go to Kashmir, into Hindu temples and Sikh temples, and into rural, most rural parts of across India. Okay, well, now I'm going to slow you down yeah. and, and repeat some of that, because I don't want anybody to miss any of that. Mm -hmm. Kashmir, yes, in the very north of the country, of the disputed territory. Right, there's there's constant conflict there. Very true. Yes. So undoubtedly, there are yes. not a whole host of, of high end hospitals up there. Absolutely right. no. So yes. medical care is going to be lacking. Am I right? Right. Right. You do this in Hindu temples. Right. 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 A Christian physician. Yes. Bringing the gift of sight and healing right. yes. to a Hindu temple. Yes. Sikh temples. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And very very rural places. Right. Now, I know you do this because you're a humanitarian, but I remember being with you. We went into a Sikh temple, and the priest said, our friends, the Christians, have come. 
in fact they welcome with their traditional manner in fact you were there in the hindu sikh temple and they did welcome you so they are so thrilled to have uh, uh, people like us they in fact they are um, we are part of their part and parcel of some of these uh, families you know they welcome us with open arms and welcome us to the temples and enable us uh, to to do these clinics in fact primarily our ministry is mostly in sikh temples and hindu temples yeah. in india across india quite remarkable isn't it right and you've gone to numerous places in yes. india yeah we travel across most of the states in india from south we go to andhra pradesh tamil nadu maharashtra kerala and uh, and in the north uttar pradesh and and uh, um, and Himachal Pradesh and Haryana and Jammu and Kashmir, Punjab. The, the demand must be must be great. How do you, how do you keep up with this? The need is so great, and whenever there is a call, we would not say no. Yeah, the with the need is vast, yes, isn't yes. it? Yes, and we have this efficient system, so there are a lot of non-governmental organizations who want us to go and help them. because in the shortest time possible we are able to clear a large amount of blindness that is there in those villages and you don't just do cataract surgery when we were in ethiopia there yes. was a young a girl with retinoblastoma yes. a, a cancerous tumor in her right, eye which right. would certainly have killed her right right certainly right. would have killed yes. her but you're able to well, save her life yeah we uh, uh, some of these uh, complicated cases what we do is what we, we when we are unable to help in these rural settings we refer them to higher centers and for advanced treatments and uh, we come across many patients with diabetes and diabetic related complications we take them to the hospital for for surgery and diagnostic procedures and help them with uh, the rest of the treatments yeah and i must mention also at this point when you asked me which are the places that you go we not only travel across rural india but we also go to places like uh, uh, ethiopia we were in ethiopia yes, together yes uh, this need is so great yes we went to mongolia with it is written we go to we went to fiji yes and so there are many um, countries that need our services and we are willing to go and help these people yes how wonderful yes, and what a, what a, yes. what a fantastic opportunity right. What do you what do you see internationally? Have you seen Ethiopia? The need was very great, right, but right. many hundreds of people were ministered right, to, yes, and yes. and wonderful results yes, there. Yeah. I recall even people uh, prisoners from the local jail or the yes, local prison. Yes, we have prison. done 25 uh, prisoners were operated in Ethiopia. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, fantastic. Yes. yes. So now, you've spent time in other parts of the world, and uh, and also in India. Talk to me a little bit about what India is facing at the moment. What's the environment like? in your in your home country a magnificent country yeah. growing economy yeah. mm-hmm. uh to go ahead sort of a place mm-hmm. still many challenges there are many very very wealthy people right. but yeah. still a large number of poorer people right. Right. how do you see the environment in india right now so india is now the i think the population is 1.4 billion people i think india has uh, some of the richest people in the world yeah but also has the poorest people in the world and this poverty is uh, is distributed in the most rural parts of the country and so while there is much riches on one side there's much poor poverty on the other side so it's kind of an imbalance so uh, how do we meet we there's more people who need um, the help than those who uh, who are rich so uh, it it's it's quite a difficult situation there mm-hmm. yeah. now as a christian You find yourself in Punjab state, a majority Sikh state. That's mm. really the the, right. the Sikh state right. yeah. in in um, 
in the beautiful country of India. Uh, how is Christian ministry viewed in India today? The place where we are, we are very Christian friendly environment in Punjab. And so absolutely we have no problem, especially Eyes for India is something that is changing lives, giving the gift of sight and helping people. Absolutely there's no problem. Uh, we are invited to Hindu temples. We are welcomed warmly to help these people. So we are actually doing the ministry of Jesus, you know, just restoring the sight, reaching out to them, helping them. So we as, a, as Christian physicians, uh, our desire is to serve the people and give the love of Jesus to them. So absolutely we have no problem at all reaching to these communities through Hindu temples and Sikh temples. But absolutely, but definitely there are issues across the nation um, where Christians are finding it difficult to, uh, to reach out to, to people. But with medical ministry, it's, it's an amazing way of reaching out to the people. And we are welcome to these uh, uh, um, places where we are working. Yeah, the, the Lord's certainly given you an opportunity right. to impact lives. Right, right. No, nobody, can, nobody can dispute no. healing yes. and lives right. change. Yes. Talk to me about that. As When you're starting out in, in surgery, mm -hmm. I imagine there's, um, there's some excitement, there's some keenness. There may also be a healthy respect for what you're doing. Right. You know, I don't want to call it fear. I want to call it yes. a healthy respect. As a surgeon... Now, I remember several, but I recall a lady being led into the operating room, led in because she cannot see. I mm -hmm. think she had bilateral blindness, mm -hmm. couldn't see. Two, maybe three days later, we were at her home interviewing her. She has maybe her dark glasses on, but the surgery is behind her. Now she sees, right, right. Now she sees her grandchildren, right, right. her children. Right. What does it mean in India hmm. for a poorer person to receive the gift of sight? Look, in the United States where I'm sitting right now, there are social services. There's typically family around. Very, very difficult, I understand, for somebody to wrestle with any type of disability. I don't want to minimize that. Hmm. But we have social services hmm. and we have uh, government benefits and so forth. But what does it mean to a poorer person or let's say somebody who's in hmm. abject poverty hmm. in India that cannot see? How does that impact their life? Actually, if you think of this situation, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's heartbreaking. These poor people in these villages, when they are poor, they are not looked after or they have no means. They cannot see. They're unable to do any of their work. Sometimes they cannot even see the food that they're eating. They cannot go to the bathroom. They're unable to take care of their own lives. And probably they're sometimes in some of these old people's home, there's no one to take care of them. And so under such circumstances, these blind are kind of neglected or they look down upon. It's a, they could be burdened also. But once these people who cannot see, some of them are bilateral blind, when they reach this clinic, Eyes for India's clinic, and once we, um, they go through this simple cataract surgery, the very next day when we open these bandages, they are so excited. They are thrilled to see that they, their eyes are open. We can see a new life in, their, in, their, in them. And they, they are so excited to go back home because they can carry on their lives. They can, they can see well. They can take care of their families. They can live their normal lives. And so such a, such a joy to know that their eyes have been opened. They can see again and they've given, got a new life 
I remember a younger man, I don't know, was he 40? Yes. I'm going to say he right, was about right. 40. Yes. Couldn't see. Right, right. He had a dependent, he had many dependents, of right. course, his yes. wife and his children, yes. some of yes. them quite yes. young, meant he couldn't work. Mm -hmm. And there's no government benefit pay, no, paid to no, people, right? No. There's no government allowance? No government, no health care. So how does a family like that survive? Right. In fact, uh, uh, some of these... Uh, um, Patients whom we come across, they're not just old, but some of them are in 40s, 50s. And some of the mothers, some children, yeah. they, 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 they are blind. They cannot take care of their families. And so operating on these uh, um, middle-aged people is amazing. They are able to take care of them. And they, they are so excited they can you know, work, go back to their homes and earn their living, care for their children and fend for themselves. It's, uh, it's something that's it's a precious uh, gift of sight that they're able to get and changing their lives. Absolutely. Yes. You know, as a, as a, philanthrop as a philanthropic endeavor or a charitable endeavor, um, we've been running Eyes for India mm -hmm. here at Israel written for a number of years. We, we were communicated with by a rabbi, mm -hmm. rabbi, mm -hmm. who said they had never felt so good about giving money to mm. a charitable cause ever in their life. Mm. And, and to, to see, look, to see the, bl uh, the blind see again, what does that do for you? You've witnessed it literally now hundreds of thousands of times, more than a couple hundred thousand times. But what joy does it bring you to see somebody regain the, their sight? It's just amazing to see how this, uh, the, um, the, the patients who get their sight back, they're so excited and gives me, gives me thrilling, my heart is thrilled to see these hundreds and thousands of people are able to see just overnight. Yeah. And I can't get uh, better joy, the, uh, joy than this, than helping these poor people see again yes. and experience the joy of transformation in their lives. Yes, and many, many times it's not people getting their sight but they're getting their life yes, because yes. Uh, of you know the ability to work now right, and provide right, now and right, care for their families right, and, right, yes. and so forth. So right, it's, it's right. hugely transformational. Yes, yes. Your work goes beyond just Eyes for India. We'll talk about that in a moment. Talk about your family a little bit and, and uh, the work you're doing as a medical director in three hospitals and maybe some of the challenges mm -hmm. that you face. Um, I've had so many people say, what can I do to support Eyes for India? Well, you can always just call us here at It Is Written or go to the web address that you see on your screen right now. Um, whatever God moves upon your heart to contribute will be used to en enable people who cannot see to see again. This is life-changing. We have more in a moment. He is Dr. Jacob Prabaka. I'm John Bradshaw. This is our conversation brought to you by It Is Written, and we will be right back. More and more people are watching It Is Written TV. They're watching their favorite It Is Written programs, listening to inspiring sermon series, and much more. They're watching them here, here, and even here. See for yourself why people are turning to It Is Written TV to watch their favorite Christian programs live and on demand. Watch It Is Written TV for free anytime on Roku, Apple TV, and at itiswritten.tv. Welcome back to Conversations brought to you by It Is Written, where my very special guest is my dear friend, Dr. Jacob Prabhaka Chindrupu, who is the ophthalmologist who is really responsible for Eyes for India. You know what we've got to do 
is share the story of how Eyes for India came about. Uh, this was a series of providences. Mm. So how, how would you tell that story? It's, a, it's an amazing way how God leads you. He has already made a provision for you. Yes. Before you even ask. It was in 2012. I've already mentioned I was praying to God, give me the skill and the means. By then, God has already given me the skill to do huge numbers of patients, hundreds of them in a day. Now we need the, the means, the funds to, to reach out these patients. We need to do about 10,000 surgeries. Who will fund this? How do we reach out to these people who are desperately in need of help? And so I was praying, God, show me a way we can get funds through the year continuously. And I was uh, impressed to meet Pastor John Bradshaw. In the booth, at the It Is Written booth, I had this 1.4 minute clipping of my cataract surgery. And I was walking around praying, God, please direct me someone who can help me to reach out to these people. And I should mention this was at an ASI convention. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It was at the, it's in Cincinnati. In Cincinnati, yes. I remember it so well. Yes. And as I was move, moving around, God impressed me that go meet Pastor John. I did not know who Pastor John was. I had no idea what it is, it is written was at that time. I must say at that time, I was only operating, not really knowing what my, the purpose of my um, being an ophthalmologist was until I met Pastor John. At that time when I met Pastor John, he just gave me, you know, two minutes. In fact, less than two minutes because Pastor John was busy going to the worship session that evening. Yeah, yeah. And now listen, listen, <laughs> just to save my reputation here, I'm going to dive in here and say, Dr. Jacob asked me for two minutes. Can I have two minutes of your time? Yes, 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 of course, of course. Uh, but it, you didn't need two minutes. Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll share a little more about right. that, but and, carry on. And then uh, Pastor John said, go ahead and send a proposal when you go back home and we will take care of it. And I went back home for one and a half months. I had no idea to write to, to Pastor John because I was busy with my administrative and clinical work. But God is impressing me after one and a half months. That was, I met you in August and then uh, it was uh, in September, late September. I was uh, impressed right to Pastor John. And when I wrote to Pastor John, to the it is written office, Pastor John wrote to me, where is your project? I did not understand that you actually, Pastor, was waiting for a proposal. Then I quickly written a proposal and then the next day the letter comes, we have approved your proposal, it's going to be called as Eyes for India. And then this is going to be not just opening the physical eyes but opening the spiritual eyes. That's right. And so later the agreement was Pastor John would come and do a film on location and when you came to India, we finished uh, the the, the surgical activity that was supposed to be, you finished your filming and you were about to leave. And I w got up to our staff in the hospital and I gave a testimony. Eyes for India was born as a result of prayer. Yes, that's true. That day, we were praying God direct me to someone who can support us. And then I said, thank God, Eyes for India was born as, a, as an answer prayer. And I sat down and you, Pastor, you woke up, you got up from your seat and you said, no, on the same day when you were praying for a donor or a sponsor, we were praying for a project. That's true. 
and you can imagine how god connected i had no idea who pastor john was i had no idea what it is written was but god was telling me go up there meet pastor john he has the funds for you and he needs a proposal he needs a project and that's how god connected me to we it were, is written we were praying that god would lead us to a humanitarian project right. because for many years it is written has been involved in humanitarian right. projects yes. want to invest in the lives of people and share the love of jesus dr jacob asked me for 2 minutes <laughs> And we got about halfway through and I said, that's enough. And I went to my friend and colleague, Kurt Delinsky, who was there yes. with me. I said, Kurt, I'm going to give Dr. Jacob to you. We've got to do this. Agreed, yes. You talk about this and, yes. and put it together. Yes. So you only needed one minute to convince me that this was God's work. <laughs> it was God has made this provision to meet you, Pastor. And that was, it was just amazing how yeah, God led me. Yeah, it's, it's been such a blessing to see yes. miracle after miracle after miracle. Right, right. And this is truly God's work. He orchestrated this, and we're happy. Right, to, we're, right. we're, we're thrilled and privileged to be a little part of that. Yes. In addition to you being a practicing ophthalmologist, you're the medical director of Ruby Nelson Memorial Hospital in the city of Jalandhar uh -huh. in Punjab state. Uh -huh. And you're the medical director of two other hospitals. Right. Tell me a little bit about them. Um, I also help uh, um, in Shimla in northern state of Himachal Pradesh. Also, there is one in in uh, Hapur Madison Memorial Hospital at uh, in Uttar Pradesh. So these are three hospitals. They are um, they are mission hospitals have been established many many years ago. It has its many challenges. Yeah. What is what are some of the challenges? Yeah. Um, the infrastructure is outdated. They are mission hospitals. Uh, people think the mission hospitals can offer free surgeries, but it's no more because we have to sustain. Yes. And so uh, the funding is a big challenge. To pay our workers is a big challenge, and to retain staff and physicians is a big challenge. So, especially in northern India, the need is so great because um, of the the work of the the missions has not grown much in this in this uh, in this um, northern part of India. And why is that? Yeah, um, because uh, um, the they have not been uh, developed in a big way as it is in the south. There has not reached much support to these places. And um, um, the, the, the infrastructure developmental work has not taken place over yeah. years. The hospital in Shimla is more than 100 years and somehow oh. um, yeah, needs uh, support to these places where we need to develop and build up the work in this place. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing to establish a hospital. Yeah. But 50 years later yeah. Yeah. or more, that hospital is facing great needs right. and therefore yes. many, many yeah. challenges. So and newer hospitals have come up with, uh, with infra great infrastructure and we are still with the dilapidated buildings and, and infrastructure is low. Yeah. And so we, we, we need to build up the work and uh, especially mission hospitals are not able to do well in these areas because of the new newer hospitals coming up. And in the northern India, the, the missions have not grown much, mm. both the spiritual, both the evangelistic work has not grown much compared to the south. So what happens at these hospitals if, if there's no investment and they're not, and well, mm. first, if there's no investment, what happens to them ultimately? Yeah, they're they, they, they unable to sustain and we have to close down. So uh, that's why the division has requested if I could support the help in building of these places. Yeah. So we have taken up a challenge to build up all the three hospitals it's together. It's a challenge too, isn't it? It is a challenge, yeah. yes, yes. What about uh, attracting physicians in the, in the, in the I'll call them the good old days. Yes. There'd be a call and a, yes. a, a, a physician and his or her spouse would sense the call of God and they'd right, travel right. To, by boat to a distant part of the world right, and, yeah. and toil, right. uh, labor. Right. Uh, 
how do we go with attracting physicians yeah. it is actually workers? a big challenge these days to attract physicians out there in the world are many many centers offering the high high end equipment infrastructure and they pay a very lucrative uh, salaries so uh, it's actually very difficult to attract um, physicians to come and serve in small mission hospitals with with poor facilities and and so with uh, less salaries so it it is hard so but many people you know left india right. came to the united states went to canada hmm. gone to new zealand gone to Australia, they've gone to Great Britain. You've stayed in India. Why have you stayed and not left? I think the reward uh, of the blessing of helping the poorest of the poor people is more greater than the riches that could be received through, um, through any other means of working in lucrative positions. So I'm so happy God has given me the privilege to work um, in such a setting to give away to the gift of sight to poor people who otherwise could never afford a cataract surgery. And mm -hmm. God has given me the skill and the means to go into the interiors of India and abroad to help these people. And that's the greatest joy me and my family is able to have. I want to ask you about your family in just a second. But you said cataract surgery that people could never afford. Right, yeah. It's hard for someone living in a Western country to understand mm. those words could never afford. Mm. I recall going with you to the home of a lady. I believe we were together. She lived behind a wall. Mm -hmm. There was yeah. a shelter where right, her, right. she had a bed. Yes. I remember she had a couple of pots. Right. Earthen vessels. There was no closet. No. So she didn't have extra clothing. No, nothing. She had two sons. One may have, may have been alive still, but they were both drug addicts. Right. So there were right. no support to her. Mm -hmm. She had nothing. Nothing, yes, nothing. She had a place to live. Right. Uh, I recall the entrance to her mm. dwelling. She pulled up uh, thorns. Some thorns, yes, yeah. right. To right. keep people out, I suppose, right, as, as a right. deterrent. Animals. Yeah. yeah. Animals. Now, those words, could not afford. Mm -hmm. That's what we're dealing right, with. Right, right, right. That's the kind of people we deal yeah. with. Absolute poverty. Yeah, just couldn't, couldn't oh, afford. Right. Even, even if they... Even if there was a doctor available to them, no, they would not be able to reach. Yes. They, 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 mm. they would have no means no. and no, no hope. No, no. Yeah, so you are providing right. that hope. Yeah. You are providing those means. Right, right. You're providing the surgery mm. that in a thousand lifetimes, mm. which is a fascinating phrase to use. Mm. We talk about Hindus, but in a thousand lifetimes, right. they would never hope. It's, a, it's, it's just a, it's a <laughs> absolutely life-changing project, right. mind-boggling. Right. Tell me about your family. <laughs> Your, your wife is uh, yes, a physician. My wife is a physician. Yeah. And I have a daughter. She's 23 years. Yes. And my son, who is 12, Jonathan. Yes. My daughter is Angela. And my wife is Beulah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, a beautiful what, family. What, yes, yes, yeah. yes, and yes. What, what kind of physician is your wife? Uh, she is a pathologist. Yes. But she also attends to the general medical cases, uh, patients at the hospital, submission hospital. Yeah. So she's able to help, and also she takes care of the lifestyle medicine at the at the at the hospital mm -hmm. because we have lots of diabetes and diabetic-related diseases and hypertension, heart disease. So she counsels them and and uh, you know, helps them to to live a uh, life drug-free and you know uh, lifestyle change. Uh, yeah. So so you mentioned there some diseases. Mm. They're very familiar to us in right, the West. Right, 
Right. So you deal, pe people where you are are dealing with some of those very same, what right. we would refer to as lifestyle illnesses. Right. Right. So why are they prevalent there and not just here? In diabetes is a big problem in India. In fact, diabetes is, I think, the world's capital is in India. Mm. And then the place where we live, Punjab, because of the lifestyle, um, so the diabetes is a, is a, is a, is a big challenge there in India. Mm. Mm. So from a medical missionary perspective, it's mm. a very fertile place. Right, right. Yeah, a lot of yeah. possibilities to, right. uh, for intervention mm. and, and to assist people. Right. Yeah. And the people where you are, India is this vast, diverse country. But the people where you are, let's say home base is Jalanda. Yes, right. Uh, ex describe the people. What, what, are they um, what are they dealing with? In Punjab, they are um, fairly well-to-do people, and um, they are Sikhs, and uh, they, uh, because they are well-to-do, they, uh, they, they can afford, and so their lifestyle is a little sedentary, so they have this big problem of diabetes mm -hmm. yeah, and heart disease in, in Punjab. And when you travel away from home and you go into the rural areas, Most rural areas yes. what does life look like for somebody in the rural uh, it's, rural uh, It's India? totally different from where we are, you know, Punjab, in the cities, it's very rich, but in the rural areas, absolutely, they have nothing. They they are very poor. As I said, the diabetes is not much there in in, the, in these villages, but poverty and yeah. illiteracy, and then cannot afford uh, um, medical care and no education. What what might surprise somebody about India apart from those stereotypical things that we think about? Mm -hmm. What are we missing when we think of India? What do we not know typically about India? India is a um, is a very interesting nation, very interesting country. It has uh, hundreds and hundreds of religions, people of various diversities, languages. Too many, uh, lots of different. Like every state has their own language. So many languages. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about some of these religions, we don't have yeah. much time. But uh, uh, Hindus, Hinduism. is majority. Second would be uh, Jainism. Jainism. Jainism, yes. which is something few of us know much about. Right. Uh, Buddhism, Buddhism is large. Yes. Sikhism. Sikhism. What else? What else? And uh, have, Islam. Yeah. Yes, we have Muslim, uh, Muslims and... Uh, the Taj uh, Mahal, it's, right, it's, a, yeah. it's a Muslim structure. Right, right. Uh, people yeah, people yeah, tend to forget yeah. that... Uh, uh, there Islam are many offshoots of Hinduism and... Uh, yes. Um, and so there are hundreds of them and thousands of gods, the worship and the traditions are uh, huge uh, numbers yeah, of traditions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So you're here now. Soon you'll be you'll be uh, home in India. Right. You'll get back and you'll roll up your sleeves and you'll go to work. And what's that going to look like? What will you be doing? The 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 surgical numbers are waiting for me, and I have a lot of work to do every day. Around two to three hundred surgeries, and then um, so it's going to be a marathon session. And there's much to help uh, many people across. That's the thing. When you're not there, the numbers just build up and build right, up. And build right, up. Right, okay. right. Right. You enjoy what you do. I enjoy my work and enjoy meeting people and helping people yeah. see again and uh, enjoying meeting us John and uh, the great people who support us. Yeah. And that's the that's that's how we're able to reach out to them. Yeah. We're grateful to our donors, our Eyes for India, it is written, and the partners that are supporting this amazing ministry. That's right. Without which it is impossible, impossible. Uh, and to when reach we out talk about them. it is written support, it is written of course is yeah. donors support, partner yeah. support. Right, right. Um so we, we, we receive to give, right, right. and it, it is written being a donor-funded yes. ministry. We yes. are, the credit is not to us; it's to right. God, and right. He connected us Absolutely. so that many people who wish Absolutely. to give are yes. able to do so, and they do so because they love to, and they know it makes right. a really, really yes. big difference. Right, and and without this uh, support, 
it's impossible for us. We could not have met this nearly 10,000 surgeries a year. It's impossible. Not possible. Not possible. Yeah. And so we want to thank you, Pastor. I want to thank the, the donors through which uh, we are able to um, help these hundreds of thousands of patients. And through, their, um, through the generosity of these donors, we are able to help them. That's and right. on behalf of the hundreds and thousands of patients every year, I want to take this opportunity to thank you, thank the It Is Written staff that makes this possible, and especially the donors, the partners who support this amazing ministry that is changing lives across the world. Well, we want to thank you for allowing God to use you to make a profound impact not just you, but your precious wife, your mm -hmm. family, who yes. you, you, you're all in this together, right. so supportive right. of one another. Right. Right. And uh, I, I just don't <laughs> think I've ever come across a ministry yeah. as special as what you're doing. Amazing. Um, yeah. It's unique yeah. and it's life-changing, and we thank God for you. I you know what? What people want me to do and what I want to do is pray for you. Can I do thank that you, now? Pastor, me, and I thank pray. God for this privilege and the family and the citizen family. Yeah, amen. Let me pray. Father, thank you for my good friend, your good friend. We would ask your continued blessing on Dr. Jacob, on Eyes for India. I pray that the light of the love of God would continue to shine through this, your servant. We pray you'd bless this work, that multiplied more people would be blessed, and that so many would understand more about the love of God and his son, Jesus Christ. We thank you. Please continue to bless, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Pastor. May I God hope bless I you. And thank you. It has been a joy having you here. If you want to be part of Eyes for India, you can go online to itiswritten.com slash eyes for India. Itiswritten.com slash eyes for India. You'll see a link on your screen right now. Of course, you can call us at It Is Written. And please, would you pray? This is a monumental work. It's a work that's sharing the love and light of Christ and the gospel with multiplied thousands of people. And uh, God is doing through our brother and his team a wonderful thing. So thank you for your support. You are the reason that Eyes for India exists. He is Dr. Jacob Prabhakachindrupu. I'm John Bradshaw, and this has been our conversation. Mm -hmm.